Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. It's Tuesday, the 9th of February. All eyes on next week and the release of Singapore's budget. In the meantime, we take a look, closer look at NGO, the Association of Women for Action and Research, or AWARE. They've released their 11th annual set of recommendations for Singapore's national budget, which focuses on women and other vulnerable groups. AWARE are calling for national recovery efforts to be as inclusive as possible to prevent gender inequalities from widening. Some of their key recommendations include the introduction of a universal basic income or a caregiver support grant to financially support caregivers, mandatory paid elder care leave to help working caregivers and the extension of social assistance schemes and benefits to all migrant spouses while allowing them to also be self-employed. 70% of migrant spouses in Singapore, by the way, are women. This set of recommendations is the first time that AWARE has included a section on migrant spouses. And we're going to find out why in just a while. We welcome now Chong Ning Chien, Senior Executive Research at AWARE Group. Ning Chien, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me today. I think we should start by understanding how AWARE comes to its budget recommendations in the first place. Sure. So we've been doing this for about 10 years now and our annual budget submissions have always been based on a consistent set of principles and priorities, which include um, the need to pay attention to the gender dimensions of an aging population and calling for greater investments in a formal care infrastructure and more universal forms of support for the vulnerable. So this year's policy wish list um, responds to the current economic climate and addresses the needs that have been exposed by the ongoing pandemic. Um, Over the circuit breaker period last year, we conducted four surveys with over 80 women, including migrant spouses, low-income self-employed persons and caregivers of older persons. And these are the groups that we have been um, already working with uh, in the last few years and who are likely to be more badly hit by the crisis um, as compared to your average family or worker in Singapore. So our recommendations this year build on what we already know about women's financial insecurity and are updated with the data and research from these new surveys. Okay, so fair to say that the research builds on what's already known about systemic sources of inequality, but because of your conversations last year, also look at the groups that have been suffering perhaps more than others. Yeah, that's right. All right. Can you give listeners an overview of these groups then that have been most impacted by COVID that AWARE is hoping this year's budget are going to address? Yeah, sure. So for this year's budget, we hope to see that the needs of caregivers, um, low-income workers, particularly those who are self-employed and, ca- uh, and who do casual work and migrant spouses um, be addressed. So for caregivers, um, we know that um, during the circuit breaker period, uh, women ended up having to take on more of uh, the unpaid caregiving that they've already been doing. And because uh, they are unable to go out to work or rather physically be outside of um, their homes now, uh, they end up doing even more of this unpaid work during this period. So um, in general, for caregivers, our key recommendations would include making cohort-based healthcare benefits universal um, to relieve caregiving expenses. So this means, for example, uh, for instance, that the Pioneer Generation Package um, be made a permanent feature of our healthcare support system so that future generations of older persons can also benefit from it, um, thereby decreasing the private cost of care. Mm. We also call for mandatory paid elder care leave um, to help working caregivers. And for those who are outside the labour force, because of caregiving, um, they should be supported with a caregiver grant or with a universal basic income. 
um, for the next group, which would be lower-income workers, our report highlights some of the barriers that these lower-income self-employed persons face in qualifying for schemes. So we hope that the barriers to registration can be addressed um, and that the self-employed person's income relief scheme or SERF can be extended and be made more inclusive. Um, the other thing that they might qualify for would, uh, would be the workfare income scheme, uh, but uh, it currently comes with a requirement that self-employed persons make top-ups to their Medisafe account first. Um, but based on what we've observed, the amount that they are uh, required to contribute um, exceeds the amount of cash payout that they actually get from the scheme. So this would uh, you know, prevent or discourage some lower-income self-employed persons to, to uh, um, do that to qualify in the first place because they need cash um, to address everyday needs. Um, and finally, for migrant spouses, um, they should have the automatic right to work, um, which includes being able to be self-employed. Um, opening up their access to work would in turn reduce their reliance and need for social support, which um, could contribute to a lower spending for the country as a whole. Okay, so aware the report notes that, you know, the government's economic strategies so far have looked at school-going children, young adults, seniors, but aware is calling for a look at migrant spouses. And this is the first time, I believe, that you're mm-hmm. including um, social assistance for migrant spouses in your wish list. Can you tell us more about the type of social assistance you're hoping to see extended to migrant spouses and a little bit of the reasoning uh, for why this group is included for the first time. Right. Um, okay, so maybe I can describe the broader strategy um, in terms of what we're advocating for migrant spouses, mm-hmm. um, which is that to begin with, we recommend that all migrant spouses should be on the long-term visit uh, pass plus, uh, which is, you know, if they don't qualify for an employment-based type of pass, then they will have to be on one of these passes, right? They have to be on the LTVP plus or the LTVP or the short-term visit pass. Um, the LTVP plus is the one that guarantees a long, the longest period of stay um, or residency in the country and also comes with access to healthcare um, subsidies that are on par with what PRs get. So we recognize that most of the insecurities and disadvantages that they face stem from uh, their immigration status, which is why we think that this is the most important thing that they that needs to be addressed. Um, because if, you know, if they don't get the pass and they're stuck on a short-term visit pass, they, they can't work and they will have no way to support themselves. So the type of assistance that we hope um, to see extended to migrant spouses, which uh, would include job support schemes and the COVID-related grants, such as the recovery grant and, of course, access to subsidized health care. We understand that these are not particularly popular suggestions. And in times of crisis, there is uh, a nationalist tendency to want to prioritize support for so-called, you know, quote-unquote, our own people. But we have to understand that migrant spouses are also an integral part of our society. And many of them have committed to building their lives here and have made valuable contributions to our countries. So um, in times like these, we should, uh, you know, we hope that we could all be more empathetic and generous in our support. All right. Now, the report also suggests adopting a universal basic income. This is not the first time AWARE is making a call for universal basic income. Um, How urgent, first of all, do you think this is in terms of financial support for caregivers? Um, so the aging population is probably not going to be, uh, you know, it's, it's probably irreversible. So um, it will mean that the care burden on women will only increase in the coming years. And already we observe more than 100,000 women who are outside the labour force every year because of caregiving, um, including caregiving for older persons like their parents or, you know, their spouses. 
So in 2019, we conducted interviews with family caregivers of older persons and found that on average, those who experienced a change in their work situation because of caregiving suffered a 63% loss in income. And this translates to an average loss of over uh, $500,000 over four years uh, or an annual average loss of around $56,000. A loss in CPF retirement savings also accompanies this loss in income, especially for those who were employed before they became caregivers or who have stopped working since. Um, And our respondents lost out on uh, more than $30,000 on average in CPF contributions because of caregiving. Um, And this is also... I mean, if you look at national level data, which shows that caregivers are outside the labor force for a medium time of nine years, it means that they have to depend on their own savings or their family for support for close to a decade. Um, and this is assuming that they have family members uh, to, uh, to count on for support to begin with. So, um, and returning to the workforce afterwards is also a challenge for them because, you know, their skills could have become obsolete um, or they would have lost the social contact that they need after close to a decade. So all these have um, significant implications on their financial well-being. And we can see uh, from CPF statistics that many women, um, around 40% uh, of them, struggle to reach the basic retirement sum upon re- uh, turning 25, uh, sorry, 55 years old. So financial support is definitely uh, urgent and, and much needed. And apart from providing practical support, it recognizes important and often um, invisibilized forms of work that caregivers and women are doing every day. Is this a core pillar of your recommendations? If it hasn't been taken up before, why continue to call for universal basic income? Yeah, uh, I would say that the UBI uh, is relatively new in a sense that uh, we first started calling for it last year, but the call for a caregiver's payment or allowance um, is, is, is definitely not new. And we've been seeing some positive developments um, in, in terms of uh, practical financial support for caregivers over the years. So um, most recently, the government introduced the Home Caregiving Grant uh, which uh, allows uh, the care recipients an option to give the money to their caregiver, which you know would include their family members. So while this uh, policy is not exactly um, framed as a caregiver allowance, there is still an option of them being you know being able to give them the money. So we see this as a positive development. Um, yeah, so we think that you know in in time, if we keep pushing for it, it might it might happen. Thank you very much for joining yeah. us. Chong Ning Chien there, Senior Executive Research. We've been taking a closer look at the wish list of AWARE for this year's budget. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.